Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. If you're using one of the few Bibles, it is on page 193 in the New Testament. First Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him all those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, and the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We are not those who make believe. We are not those who wear masks. We are not those who smile glibly while our hearts are breaking. This coming Saturday, our dear sister Beverly Greenslade, we will have a memorial service for her. On Saturday, January 25th, we will have a service for our brother Ron Macon. As your pastors, we had already begun conversations early in the week about a service of lament for this afternoon, and then we received the sad news of Ron's passing. All of us carry sadness in our hearts, don't we? Um, there's no one that is somehow exempt, immunized from pain and sorrow. It, as the scriptures say, we are, we are born for trouble as surely as the sparks fly upwards. Tor sorrow and tears are a part of the journey. But it is in moments like this that we definitely need to have our hearts fixed on truth and our hearts fixed on Christ. The text for today is chosen, the one just read in your hearing, because it is both personal and pastoral. As one of your pastors, I would simply love that this be a go-to text in your life when Ever grief has gotten hold of your soul. Please, please know that the Bible, the written word of the living and the true God, speaks into all the circumstances, all the issues and trials of our lives. And please know that there are certain texts that need to be very familiar to us. That need to be wonderfully and steadily and consistently a part of our lives 
so that when the sorrows hit, when we find ourselves unexpectedly in the valley of the shadow, we will know where to go. We will know where to turn. The book of 1 Thessalonians is a book of hope. I love the book of 1 Thessalonians. It, it speaks to us of, those, of the hope that we have as those who are going through hardships, going through trials and afflictions. The Thessalonian church way back in the middle of the first century had gone through some hard times and among their trials was the death of some of their number. Some were falling asleep in Jesus and this was throwing them into great concern and even despair because they hadn't studied God's Word enough to know that the death of their loved ones was not the end of the promises of God. Some, some of them had believed that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. And so when people began to pass from this life, they began to doubt all the promises of God. Is Jesus really going to come back? Is there still hope? And so Paul writes to comfort them and reassure their weeping hearts. And we find in this letter, as brief as it is, the theme of hope sounded forth and then echoed again and again at the end of chapter, or in chapter 1 in verses 2 and 3, Paul writes, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Having mentioned hope as that which inspired them to be steadfast in their faith, Paul then takes them uh, this theme on again and again and connects it to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we find in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 1 that he says that they were waiting for, they were waiting for God's Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Then in chapter 2, verses 17 through 20, Paul speaks of these specific believers as being His hope, His joy, His crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming. By the way, I believe that text teaches us explicitly that we will recognize and rejoice over each other on the day to come. We will have specific, special joy in those with whom we have lived in this life, with whom we have served, to whom and from whom we have received blessing on that day we will be each other's crown and joy and hope. In chapter 3, Paul anticipates 
verses 11 through 13, when God would establish their hearts blameless in holiness at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. That means that God is going to keep us, brothers and sisters. He's going to keep us and He's going to establish our hearts in holiness so that when Jesus comes, we will, in the words of Ephesians, be spotless. And blameless as the bride of Christ. And then Paul closes his letter in chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, by praying. And this is our prayer for each one here today. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is what? Faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers and sisters, we are Risen Hope Church, are we not? That's our name. If Risen Hope Church is our name, then surely we must make sure that we know all that we can about the hope that God has given to us. Let me summarize what I want to share with you this afternoon with this statement. We, we need to encourage, we need to encourage hope in each other. We need to encourage hope in each other with this guarantee. We need to encourage hope in each other with this guarantee. This guarantee. This guarantee that believers, whether alive or asleep in Christ, believers, whether alive or asleep in Christ, will rise again in complete wholeness when Jesus comes to enjoy an everlasting reunion in our Lord. We, we need to encourage hope in each other with this guarantee that believers, whether alive or asleep in Jesus, will rise again, will rise again in complete complete wholeness when Jesus comes so that we might enjoy an everlasting reunion in and with our Lord. Let me, let me just unpack that a little bit for you. We need to encourage hope in each other. In verse 18 of chapter 4, Paul says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. I know words are sometimes dangerous when we are with the grieving. Sometimes silence is best. Do not rush to words. Do not rush to truth. Do not have a pat or cliched ready response. Sit and weep and grieve and hug and hold and sit some more and wait some more and 
weep some more and pray some more and then do it some more. But the moments will come when either with whispered voice or in song, we have to, we have to encourage hope with others. Encourage one another with these words. This world is so full of grief and sorrow and loss that you and I will lose hope. We will lose joy. We will lose the grace to endure unless we encourage each other with the truth. The older I get, the more sadness I feel. It is simply the truth. There's no point in pretending otherwise. The older I get, the more sadness I feel. I, I live, and I know many of us do, I live in that tension described by the Apostle Paul. I am sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Do you know the feeling? Always sad, always rejoicing, full of sorrow, full of joy. This is the journey. No believer can live long and strong in hope if he or she is not closely connected to the hope-encouraging words of others. Life is sorrowful. We need to encourage hope in each other. We need to encourage hope in each other with this guarantee. With this guarantee. Look at verse 14, which will show us why I say this guarantee. Paul writes, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. Some of your translations may have, instead of the word since, may have the word if. That if is not strong enough, it should be since. What Paul is talking about here is not an if of uncertainty, it is a since of certainty. He is saying since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, since we believe, and notice Paul is the one writing this. He believed this not because he was a gullible, superstitious, mindless person. He believed this because he had seen Jesus with his own eyes. He was a personal eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He believed this as a sure and certain thing. And so he is saying, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God maybe, possibly, will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. Correct me, folks. God will. He will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. Since this has happened, what has happened, Paul? Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. 
He has been seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses, demonstrated to be alive, one of the most verifiable facts in all of history. Since Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we know that God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. This is not a wish, not a fantasy, not a dream, not an uncertain desire. It is a guaranteed certainty. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. As surely as the sun rises, that dawn is going to happen. He is risen. And we are going to rise with Him. This is our certainty. This is His guarantee to us. We need to encourage hope in each other with this guarantee that believers, believers, whether alive or asleep in Jesus, will rise again. Believers, whether alive or asleep in Jesus, we we need to understand this promise is for believers. This promise is for those who are in Jesus. In verse 13, he calls them brothers, meaning of course both brothers and sisters, but they are brothers and sisters in the faith. This is a term he is talking to other believers, to other Christians. Then we notice in verse 16 that it is the dead in Christ that shall rise. My friends, there are but two ways to die. We either die in Christ and all the hope and the certainty that that brings or we die in our sins and all the judgment and wrath and despair that brings. Paul is writing here about those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. In His love. In His grace. They have fallen asleep in union with Jesus who died for them and rose for them and ascended into heaven for them. This is a guarantee that belongs to believers. If you have never trusted in Christ, if you have never given your life to Christ, if you have never surrendered to Christ, if you have never believed that He died for your sins and rose from the dead, that He is alive as King and Lord today, if you have never surrendered to Him, you are still in your sins. And you need to be in Jesus. So repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ. And this promise belongs to you. You came in without the promise. You go out with it. Believe this. Believe Him. There's a guarantee that belongs to believers. Whether they are alive or asleep. Whether they are alive or dead. They are promised this guarantee. And what is it? We need to encourage hope in each other with this guarantee that believers, whether alive or asleep in Jesus, will rise again in complete wholeness. In complete wholeness. Verse 16 says that those who have fallen asleep in Jesus will rise first. That is, their bodies will rise. 
Their bodies will rise. Their spirits have already risen. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Today, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. But on that day, when Jesus comes back, those that have fallen asleep in Jesus, their bodies will rise. And then, verse 17 says that any who are alive at the coming of the Lord will also rise, both their spirits and their bodies, and they'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We all will rise again to spiritual and physical wholeness. Look at chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who has called you is faithful. He will surely do it. Here is a promise. Oh, and take this in. Here is a promise of absolute complete total wholeness. Spiritually, our whole spirit and soul will be made blameless. When we see Christ, we will be like Him. And we will never sin again. We will never doubt again. We will never fear again. We will never lust Again, we will never crave what isn't ours again. We will never be tempted again or envious again or angry again or hateful again or bitter again or greedy again or unforgiving again. Never, never, never going to happen. Never going to happen. It is a total, complete, spiritual transformation. Our brother Ron, he will never, ever sin again. Beverly will never sin again. And in that moment, when He comes for us, we will be transformed. Whole transformation, spiritual and physical. May He your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. Our whole body will be made and kept perfect, whole, healthy, perfected. There will be a resurrection and a perfection and a glorification of the body. What all of this means is that your body and my body have a future that is far better than the present. We will have new bodies united to perfected spirits. We will never sin again because our spirits will be whole. We will never suffer again because our bodies will be whole. Paul writes in Romans 8, we groan inwardly now, don't we? We groan inwardly now as we eagerly await our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Oh, the day is coming 
when I'll look in the mirror and I'll be impressed. I look now and I'm not impressed. And don't you be impressed. No. These bodies, Paul calls them in Philippians, these lowly bodies. These lowly bodies. They really are lowly, aren't they? They're so broken. Many of you know I live with a headache, but you know what my greatest pain experience was this past week? I had a paper cut on my thumb. And it hurts. And I look at it. This thing, you almost need a, a microscope to see this. But there it is. And it hurts. This six foot four inch, slightly shrunk, six foot three and a half inch, 200 plus pound body. can be in suffering over a paper cut. A microscopic germ can somehow find its way into my body and take me down. Nothing impressive here. Nothing impressive here. But what do the Scriptures tell us? Listen to Paul. You know the text. 1 Corinthians 15, I tell you this, brothers, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That is, your body as it now is, this flesh and this blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. What does that mean? It means that this body, this body as it's now constituted, as it's now made up, is too weak and too frail to inhabit eternity. This body would pretty much disintegrate if I tried to step into heaven right now. I need a new body before that foot falls. The perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. But, Paul says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. We shall be changed. Oh yes, we will. We shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. For when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? We must put on immortality. <laughs> we must become imperishable. And how do we know these things must happen and will happen? Because Paul goes on to write, God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Because he is risen, we just heard sung so beautifully. We will rise. Because he is risen, we will rise. We believe, as the creed says, in the life everlasting, immortality, imperishability, undyingness, a body and a spirit that shall never suffer again or ever die. Dear ones, do not do what so many people do with the Christian faith. Do not reduce it to mere morals or rituals. Rather, understand this. Understand this. Jesus Christ came into the world to save and transform and literally immortalize humble sinners, changing them into perfected, everlasting beings. That is our destiny because of Christ. We need to encourage hope in each other with this guarantee that believers, whether alive or asleep in Jesus, will rise again in complete wholeness when He comes. Verses 15 through 17, we declare this to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. I grew up singing, He is coming again. He is coming again. He is coming again with power and great glory. He is coming again. Oh Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound. And the Lord shall descend. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh my soul. This we know. The Lord Himself will descend from heaven. That means He's coming to get us, folks. He's coming to get us. There will be a cry of command by which our Lord commands all those who have fallen asleep in Jesus to get out of their tombs, to get out of the ground, and to rise up. There will be the voice of an archangel heralding this moment, declaring the day has come. And there will be the sound of the trumpet of God, a great cosmic sound filling the heavens and the earth to announce that King Jesus is coming. He is here. And it's going to happen fast. It's going to happen sudden. And it's going to happen total. And it's going to happen wonderful. We need to 
encourage hope in each other with this guarantee that believers, whether alive or asleep in Jesus, will rise again in complete wholeness when Jesus comes to enjoy an everlasting reunion in our Lord. Notice the language of verse 17. It's reunion language. Then, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them, those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, all our loved ones and friends who died in the faith of Christ, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. This is the language of reunion. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will forever, we will always, we will everlastingly be with the Lord. We need to encourage hope in each other with this guarantee that believers, whether alive or asleep in Jesus, will rise again in complete wholeness when Jesus comes to enjoy an everlasting reunion in and with our Lord. With our Lord face to face. As for me, the psalmist said, you make known to me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I will be satisfied with your likeness. Whenever a man, a woman, a young person, a child falls asleep in Jesus, they wake up to see the likeness, the face, the beauty, the glory, the majesty, and the love of Jesus. And they, when they awake, are satisfied. We groan because we're still waiting. But they wake up and they see Jesus. They see His face. And they realize in that moment, first, that they love Him more than they ever realized they love Him. And even more important, they realize in that moment that He has loved them way more than they could ever conceive. Let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you. These have to be some of the most precious words in the entire Bible. I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Can it 
get any sweeter, more tender, more precious. Jesus says, I want you with me. I'm going. I'm preparing a place. I'm coming back. And you know why I'm coming back? Because I want to take you to myself. That where, that where I am, in my heaven, in my home, in my Father's house, that where I am, there you may be also. I want you with me. And I want you with me forever. This is the ultimate promise of heaven. Heaven is not primarily where the streets are gold and the city is made out of gems. Heaven is where Jesus is. I grew up singing another old hymn. Oft times the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch His bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal day. Life's day will soon be o'er. All storms forever past will cross the great divide to glory safe at last. We'll share the joys of heaven, a harp, a home, a crown. The tempter will be banished. We'll lay our burdens down. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. We need to encourage hope in each other with this certain promise that believers, whether alive or asleep in Jesus, will rise again in complete wholeness when Jesus comes to enjoy an everlasting reunion in our Lord. We will see Jesus we will be with Jesus, and we will see every loved one who has fallen asleep in Jesus. We will see them again, and oh, what a reunion that will be. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. Dear believers, be encouraged with these words. This is the word of the living God who never lies, who cannot lie. And may His promises be our strength, be our hope, be our assurance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You. Oh, how precious is Your Word. How glorious are your promises. Thank you. Lift our hearts, O oh Lord. Comfort us when waves of sorrow break over our souls. Help us 
to keep hanging on to you knowing that you are hanging on to us. And remind us when our hearts grow dim and dark, remind us that there is a day coming and weeping lasts for a night, but we will rejoice when the dawn breaks. Be with us as your children, dear Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, amen.